left in person in since 2019 and it did not disappoint at all i'm not gonna lie from start to finish i'm like that was that was fun from a red wings fan is just an nhl fan in general i think it should i'm in i think i'm in the majority when i say this it should be hosted in montreal every year that city was electric from Uri Slavkowski getting booed walking into the arena because Canadians fans didn't want him to be drafted to the Shane Wright drama and then all the trades go along with it. I loved it. That was so much fun. My favorite part was when Gary Bettman went up to announce the two trades for Montreal. Yeah. Getting booed for like two minutes. He goes, hey, this involves Montreal Canadiens. And then everyone just starts cheering. (laughs) Okay, he actually did a really good job with that. That was electric way he said that not kidding we don't we don't have to we don't have to like batman but was that not electric the way he said okay can we comment can we comment though quickly on how bad his french is oh yeah it was pretty offensive when everyone spoke french there and no one yeah wasn't it um yeah was what's his name the president of the coyote was like (laughs) (laughs) just the most offensive thing ever it's like shut up oh my goodness but yeah welcome into the production line podcast i'm one of your hosts garth wickham Grant Wickham. Andy. And we're here to talk everything uh, 2022 draft. Uh, very shocking trade from the Red Wings. Uh, breaking down all the picks. Uh, free agent targets going in. Some fun, um, not qualified RFAs that possibly could be of interest. Um, Steve Eisman press conference, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. But first, a quick word from our show sponsor and friends of Inside the Rink, BetUS. BetUS is your NHL, NBA, UFC, PGA, and yes, NFL betting lines for their 27th year of live betting. Sign up for BETUS.com with promo code RINK for your 125% sign-up bonus. Again, use promo code RINK for your 125% sign-up bonus. Play with the proven mainstay in the industry, BetUS. You bet, you win, you get paid. BetUS.com. So I suppose we'll start this in chronological order. Because I think that just makes the most sense. You mean? Um, I think you mean Nicholas chronological, chronological. Yeah, chronological. I mean, this is it's actually pretty pertinent because considering he's actually running like the development camp, so that's pretty neat. Um, do we want to like start with like the beginning of the draft, like before it even started, or do we want to go Red Wing centric first and then break down fun things that happened? We game for whatever. I think it's a little bit more fun to kind of like lead in and get some an- anticipation going. So yeah, before the draft even starts, it was it the day before the Debrinket trade happened. Yeah, man. Uh, yeah, Alex yeah. Debrinket traded for seventh overall pick, the 39th overall pick in a 2023 third. I think it's what it was total, and nothing else. Um. Yeah, not gonna lie, <laughs> Chicago, in my opinion, kind of got rinsed. In that trade, well, I think they're going to get rinsed no matter what in a trade for Debrinket. I don't. I have no idea why they would even trade him as he's 24 and he's a 40 goal scorer. Um, I think that's the best offer they were going to get. To be honest with you, if you're looking from a standard of they wanted a like a top 10 pick, I don't think anyone else is really willing to give it up. Um. I don't. I don't think they could have got much better. I just don't think he traded to bring it. Yeah, I, I mean, okay. So kind of look at it like this. I was explain. I had a conversation with uh, my old pal Eric Hurst, my old teammate in Green Bay, who's a huge Chicago Blackhawks fan, and he's wondering, you know, why are all these trades happening? And I'm like, we kind of have to consider like 
where the rebuild is and how it's going to help you. Because having Alex Brink in your team while entertaining is not going to help you fall down standings. Because he's going to score big goals and he's going to win you games by himself. So you can look at the value point and they did lose. And I do think they lost the trade and I think they could have got more. But looking at it in a vacuum, I that was the right. I think it's the right decision for them because it accelerates. Really? Yeah, I totally agree. I totally I agree. Get, I mean, I see where you're I don't agree from. with the I don't agree with the package, but I agree with the move in general. I see where you're coming from with the acceleration. But these guys like Doc and DeBrinca are really interesting to me why these could be pieces you're building around, right? You're still going to be bad. You're it's not like you're going to be good. Why I'm not with you on the Doc one? Um, why not try some try to build around them? I Debrinka is legitimate. Let's say your timeline is six to seven years. He's 31 at this time, and he's probably taking a discount because at this point he's he's still really good, but he's been in Chicago for a while, right? Mm-hmm. This is a guy that's still gonna be scoring 35 goals a year at 30. Yeah. Don't you want that around? I see I, I kind of just go back to like the few wise things that Ken Holland's ever said in his life are that rebuilds are like proper rebuilds, like seven, eight years. And if you're going at it from that perspective, like I know to bring it to 31, 32, but then like, you're just starting to make the playoffs again. You know what I mean? And it wasn't like he, they were making the playoffs really when he was there. So he doesn't really have that experience. And it's just like, I don't know to me, I think he, he's more valuable moving on. And if like to get a top 10 pick is big, I mean, I still think it would have been nice to get one of like a, you know, a middle prospect from Ottawa, like a Tyler Clevin or something like that in a package like that. On yeah. Top of it. I think that would have made it, but like, I think it's the most shocking thing to me is they didn't get like a player with it. Ottawa's prospect pool is pretty decent too. It's not like, right. Yeah. They got a lot in there. Um, so I, I, I see where you're coming from, I guess. I guess I don't really agree still. I, I just think Alex Dabrinka is a f- fringe superstar, if not a superstar. This dude literally scores 40 goals a season. Uh, whether or not that's because of Kane, I guess we'll find out this year. Um, I love the player, and I love to watch him. Um, yeah, it also hurts cool. from, like, if you're a Blackhawks fan, it hurts to not be able to see that every game. Your roster this year is going to be, a, oh, a joke. And oh, it's going to be bad. These last couple of weeks, I've – fallen in love with Kevin Korchinski. So I love that pick at seven. Yeah. We can break into like those picks a little bit more. Okay. We can kind of go into detail, like the top 10 or whatever going into it, but that was huge going in. Cause uh, go ahead. Oh, real quick. I saw a tweet before we hopped on. It was like Chicago Blackhawks roster out of training camp. It has, I can't remember who they had at left wing, but it was like in parentheses. And then it goes, Taze came and it goes open. Like the next nine forwards are all like up for grabs. Then, the whole left side deer up for grabs and then it goes Jones, the rest are up for grabs and the goaltending spots are up for grabs. It's like, yeah, they have three roster players right now. <laughs> so, so what's that? I got, I got a little news for you guys. Uh, Matt okay. Murray to the Leafs oh. with 25% retention and a third and a seventh. That's it. Yeah. The Leafs got a third and a seventh and are paying 75% of his salary. That's an awful trade. That was a bad trade. <laughs> I don't care how you chalk that up in any way. That, tell me how that's a good trade. Yeah, it's not at uh, all. Like, you're, the rumored ask for Jack Campbell was $5 million. And you're willing to pay Matt Murray basically the same thing. 
who's has less track record recently than Jack Campbell, in my opinion. That's kind of crazy to me. But he's a super That is true. That is when true. he checked two boxes for Kyle Dubas, he plays he played for the Ottawa Senators, <laughs> and he's an ex Greyhound. Man, that's yeah. a terrible trade. Like, I'm not Breaking even a fan. I just feel bad for my friends that are. I don't. I do. <laughs> I like. Yeah, I don't. Yeah. I don't know your friends, so therefore. So are they going to run a Murray and Shogren Shogren tandem next year? Or... I don't know. Oh, him and Joseph. Him and Joseph Wool are going to compete. Mm. <laughs> I don't see how oh. any way this works. No. No. Oh my gosh. All right. Back on let's get back on track here. So yeah, draft day. Um lots of reports coming out before that Uri Slavkovsky became the favorite to go number one. And he did. And as I talked about before, he got booed walking into the arena. And the shock in the arena was pretty loud of him going. And I just kind of like feel bad for Uri Slavkovsky considering like he did like he's just that he wanted to get picked and he's just like he doesn't choose where he gets picked right and he's getting bullied by like the team he's gonna be playing for i don't know i think people have kind of turned on it now but like initially i'm like that i feel bad for the guy yeah i don't think any, the... any montreal fan wanted him no there were literally like the 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 montreal shirts that says the right choice and someone i guess there was like people throwing the shirts on the stage <laughs> Because they like they made the someone I think someone threw a right jersey. I think that's what I read as well. Uh, that's insane. Um, yeah, so definitely a confusing like beginning of the draft. And then Grant, you had you made some money off of the pick number two. Yeah, I sprinkled a little bit on uh Simone Nemich to go second overall because I said to myself, "There's no way." Uh, New Jersey's going to take a center at two if uh, Slavkovsky goes one. So I, uh, I like that a little bit. I was, I was pretty jacked about that. Good to see the two Slovaks going one and two. Love it. That was pretty sweet. I'm not going to lie. Nemec is also an elite pick. I loved that pick for New Jersey. New Jersey could be in their system right now. They're deep. They're honestly, they're like prospect. Like you got Dude. Hughes and Nemec. Also, like if you look on their NHL roster, there's some guys there. Dougie yeah, Hamilton's yeah. great. Yeah. Um, Siegenthaler is one of the best defensive defensemen in the NHL, like from an analytics standpoint, and he's very underrated. Ryan Graves had a down year, but I think he's a lot better than what he Ty, Ty Smith had a really good prior year to last yeah. year. Um, he's very interesting too. I he's still raw yet, but I mean he gives me I mean, we and we have Damon Severson, who's New Jersey's Phil Peronick. <laughs> With better hands. <laughs> Better hands, arguably worse defensively, though. Yeah, I do. I don't know. I think having Luke Hughes and Nemet on the back end as a prospect pool is really ridiculous. Yeah. It makes me like question like, so who's you run out of power play spots? Yeah. You Dougie Hamilton, you got Luke Hughes, you got Severson, you got Ty Smith. You get four guys nice. who can competently run a power play. You have one power play unit. Okay. Four and one, and then the other one's four and one defense. So, there you go. There you go. That's fun. That's what I'm looking at. Four forwards, one defenseman, and then four defensemen, one forward. That would be game. Yeah. I I think it's the move. Yeah. Who would quarterback? Who cares? 
changes. Yeah. They change game. They change by game. I would have Dougie on the flank. That's all I know. Yeah. Really? Yeah. I think. Yeah. I think D- Dougie just... shoots. I think yeah, Nemich was probably quarterback for me. Yeah, probably. Probably. Yeah, then Cooley goes three, and then Shane Wright falls all the way to four, and then he claims that he did not stare down the draft table. So, yeah, what do you guys think of, like, the Shane Wright falling all the way to four? Um, I guess I was really surprised, but I'm not against it. Um, I think the two out of the three players I would probably take before him, as in Cooley and Nemec, uh, Slavkovsky I'm still up in the air on. I think he's a... Uh, a pure Engvall carbon copy, as we've seen on Twitter the last couple hours. That's been so funny. I love, I I love our, every second our, of that. Our group chat has been uh, going a little bit crazy with the pure Engvall stuff, probably primarily from me. <laughs> primarily from you, you've been the one running that train. But No, I think it's a good situation. I mean, the story about um, Wayne Gretzky calling Shane Wright was pretty cool. Um, I think definitely like now that he's probably settled in, I think this is like a good spot for him to actually – at i know we kind of touched on it a little bit before jumping on but you're sitting behind maddie maddie Beniers, who has the potential to be an elite centerman in this league uh a lot of pressure taken off your back now yeah definitely i think yeah like honestly i didn't see him going at one anyways it's just a gut feeling i had like i don't i didn't think he was a first overall pick to be honest with you but it's a blessing in disguise for him. It could be a blessing in disguise for him dropping down to four because Seattle has a shit ton of prospects already. And over the next couple of drafts, they have more young talent coming in. So I think he can kind of slide under the radar there, under the mirrors and find his way. Not as much pressure on him maybe immediately. Definitely not now, considering um, Seattle was basically irrelevant last year. And basically, you know, they were they were irrelevant. And they're gonna have a lot of they have a lot of cap space here coming up at the deadline too, which yeah. would be really interesting. And my biggest question is: Is Shane Wright gonna make the Kraken now? I I, I don't know if sending him back to juniors is really gonna do a whole lot. He kind of dominated. Yeah, um, I'm not I'm... gonna be that strong either. Like she'll obviously be traded by Kingston, but yeah. Yeah, not 100 sure on what that looks like, but yeah. Well, I mean, could he could he play in the AHL? No, 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 because he has no. he has a because I wasn't sure if the COVID years count towards that. Nope. Oh, okay. Nope. Nope. Unfortunately for him, no. Um. Yeah, it's either OHL or Seattle, which will be interesting. I feel like yeah. he gets like the Mason McTavish treatment. He gets the nine game look, and then they kind of make the decision from there. Yeah, I mean, that would make a lot of sense. Yeah. Because there's no pressure. Like, there shouldn't be any pressure for him to, like, actually make the team. I think that might happen with a couple players. Oh, definitely. This team, this draft's going to be really interesting, like, who actually makes it and stuff like that. I think the the first four picks besides Cooley, it's going to happen with. So, the one, two, and four, the nine games is going to happen. Yeah. Possibly. For sure. Um, Yeah, quickly through until the Red Wings pick we got. Um, Cutter Gautier, five, which good pick. David Yurchik at six, really good pick. Big fan of that. His interviews were awesome. Yurchik, he's so he's he's so great to listen to. And then uh, I'm gonna backtrack to Nemec a little bit here on the ESPN broadcast. If you're listening, when he was getting interviewed, they asked him 
uh, if he was excited to play with any, or if he was looking forward to play with any Devils players. I did read. Really. He, he goes, I think yes. <laughs> he's like all of them. <laughs> and then she's like, all. which ones? All of them. <laughs> just did not know what to say. But uh, I don't know if you guys re rewatched any of Steve Dangle and uh, Arm Dog. Call me Arm Shrugs. Uh, when they interviewed Yurchek, it was awesome. Because I, I didn't watch it. He's an Alan Walsh client too. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, Steve was talking to him a little bit about that, and <laughs> Steve was talking about how he uh, was at the bar with David's dad, and he's like. Oh, of course. He was pre-gaming for tonight. <laughs> or he was practicing. <laughs> That's I, so I I strongly advise you to go back to that stream and listen yeah. to David Yerchek's interview. It's uh, he's That's so funny. He's spectacular to listen to. I think awesome. Clum- Columbus is getting a jam in him. Oh, definitely. I mean, their other pick, too, is a really good pick, too. Oh, yeah. Um, but, yeah, so Ottawa obviously traded their pick, and it goes to Chicago, who Chicago takes a big swing on Korchinski. Which I mean, we mocked Grant mocked him to Detroit in our mock draft, which I think honestly could have happened. He fits, fits the Detroit fits the profile. Bill. Yeah, he does. High upside, and I really like that pick for Chicago. He's a good player. You kind of need a, he, you need a swing like that at at their spot. I think. Oh yeah, yeah. He's big, mobile, very offensive. The question is, he can put the, put together a defensive game. Kind of depends on what kind of defenseman he is. Is he if he's just a pure offensive number four, or can he be a top pairing? both you know two-way guy it should be awesome. um so that obviously impacted detroit's pick because there were reports going into the draft that Ottawa was really high on marco casper really high on marco casper and obviously detroit ends up getting him and i think like once the board fell that way i don't know about you guys but i was pretty confident it was gonna be casper yeah i like i don't know grant did you have any doubt that it was gonna be casper there um i kind of had a couple things going through my head um, my last instinct was it was going to be Nazer. Ah, okay. But I kind of thought it was him or Casper. Um, I was hoping for Casper a little bit more because I think his game is really pretty, pretty in tune with an NHL style thus far in his career. I just, I don't know how high his upside can be. I think so I'm going to, I'm going to, Go ahead. I'm gonna ba- before we like break down his game a little bit. I want to backtrack like just a little bit. What were your guys' initial feeling right when the pick was announced? How'd you feel? I was pumped. He he yeah. was my, he was my initial guy going in, and then I kind of went back and forth with him and Korchinski. Even though the Red Wings are flooded with left-handed defensemen, I love the way Korchinski plays, and I think mm-hmm. he's so electric. I don't care yeah. if he's terrible defensively. And I it- uh, <clears throat> I actually missed the pick because Elliot was. Uh, interviewing the Chicago, what's, what's his uh, yeah, what's their GM name? Davidson. Yeah, Davidson. He went and shot up, and he just walks up there for like two seconds and just says, "Oh, all I heard was er at the end." So I was like, "Oh, is that Nazer or Casper?" <laughs> and then Casper starts walking up. He's like, "All right, thanks a lot, Davidson." Well, it was, was the same thing on the ESPN broadcast. Like, I was been got cut off on the ESPN broadcast too, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, to be fair, Eiserman announced that so fast. Oh, he didn't do the you know the garbage like oh thank you Montreal for hosting uh you know quick congratulations Joe Sakic I went in the Stanley Cup he didn't do any of that garbage he was like all right listen this is the guy we're picking and just get up here Mark he yells at Marco get down here pissed. come here boy come here, fella. Get down no here. I was I was ecstatic I was super pumped about 
Casper because I mean he's been my guy for a little while, and I guess we yeah. can kind of like move into um, what we think his upside is and maybe a stylistic comparison in the NHL. Grant, you kind of started some of it's. I'll throw it back to you. Um, basically, I think right now he could fit the bill to be like a third line center already in the league. I think his potential is already there, but I don't think it's fair to him to just throw him in that role like that right now. I think he still has a lot of growing to do or the possibility of growing. I don't know what all is there, to be quite honest with you. I guess right now, if I had to throw a comparison out there to him, um, this might, I, I guess, first kind of name that come to my head, I from Toronto, David Camp, I think – a lot more skill than David Camp, but like they're both. <laughs> Why is Andy laughing? They're for, both... <laughs> for some reason, I thought you were gonna say pure angle. <laughs> no, am I am I wrong? They're both good no, defensively, and I, I think they both have high motors. But I think there's a lot more to Casper's game than obviously yeah, David well, Camp. Yeah, I'm saying well, so... right now, if you compare him to an NHL center. And a, the capability to be a good third line center. David Camp is is could be a good third line center, right? Right. Yeah. Okay. So that kind of your comparison right there kind of reminded me of when um, what was it? The what was yeah? Tyler was drafted on ESPN, so or no NBC. He, so it would have been compared to Brandon, Brandon Carlo. Or no, it was Craig Button. Yeah, Craig Button's like yeah, Brandon Carlo. And he doesn't like, know if he's gonna be as good as Brandon Carlo. I'm saying right now his comparison. He could play in the NHL, I think, and be an okay third to fourth line center right now. I, I think, think so there's a, a lot of growing to do, and I don't think it's fair to throw him in the NHL right now. I think he his, goes back to Sweden. Oh, definitely. goes. I think his dad, I think, said that. I'm pretty sure I read that, that his dad said he was probably going back to Sweden in an interview with, I think it was, um, oh, my goodness. Well, I'm okay if he plays in Grand Rapids or Sweden. Either yeah, way. I, I mean, it's just all about where he's going to get the most opportunity at center. Because in Rogla, he didn't play enough at center. He was also yeah. very young and on a on a very good team. Well, he was getting more and more ice time too. I oh, mean, he was in, getting in, yeah. in playoffs. He was playing a lot. I just still remember the infamous clip against Farsad of him blocking two Albert Johansson shots after getting walked twice by Albert. And he just battled <laughs> back and blocked two shots. <laughs> yes, I don't know. Like when I look at him and like you kind of look at his skating, I'm like, all right, he's a good skater. Or he's a high motor. His puck skills are fine. They're not great. No. Shot, okay. Shot's good. It's not great. He kind of like profiles like strictly from those aspects is like a young draft eligible Dylan Larkin. Because Dylan Larkin, like when people picked him there, that's where he's supposed to go. Like nobody thought he's going to be now. Like Dylan Larkin developed a lot of skill. Yeah. A better shot. A finding finding space to actually create for himself. Like when you look at Mark, when you look at Marker Casper down low, like his highlights like behind the net. He loves wheeling behind the net and just banking off the boards, turn around quick and try to drive towards the net. It's a super translatable like trait to his game that is a pro level. Yeah, no question. He's no question. really good in that front too, which I guess I, the, see that's the thing. It's unfair to compare him to David Camp. I'm just saying if he played in the NHL, right I don't know. No, 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 yeah, okay, all right. I get what you're um, saying. You're not completely wrong though, because Camp like he gets those garbage goals for Toronto. Yeah. Um, like he's I, like, I, off the net. like he, yeah. he he parks in front of the net. And, I mean, like the skating's a little off, but like other than that, Casper's skill in tight is uh very good too. 
Yeah. Like right around the crease, he's very talented. And I think that that's where he slots in on Rovas power play too. He plays he played a lot of second power play at, at the end of the season and he played right in front of the net, kind of in that Tyler Bertuzzi area. So I think that's really interesting too how his hands are very good and tight. Yeah. And he, and his shot is very accurate too. It's mm-hmm. not very hard to be honest with you. I know you said he has a pretty good shot. His it's accuracy is really good. His is his shot isn't great itself, but I I know his I saw um What's like I, the easiest thing though to to improve at? Is yeah, shot strength. <laughs> shot. I know I I saw a chart and his, his accuracy with hitting the net is pretty ridiculous per game. Yeah. But he does shoots a lot in that kind of around the net area, which kind of helps out with that. But I know like there's a couple clips of him um of his goals from this past year that were right and tight in their snipes. Yeah. No, I, I he's not afraid ahead. to get to the net either, right? Like the download, like you were kind of saying earlier, like download behind behind the net is a like is a a block for him and then he drives it right to the net too. So um, yeah, he's, he's a big, he's a pretty big boy, like six one, six two, like he's like 180, 190, something like that right now. Another thing I really, really like about the Casper pick, Detroit definitely has a type when it comes to good character guys. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of players that I don't like listening to in the media, uh, I don't think the Red Wings would pick. <laughs> Like there were a couple players listening to that were kind of tough to listen to. Um, who's, that, who's that? Uh, I can't think of his name. But there, there were a couple players that were interviewed at the draft, and I was like, oh, my gosh. No, definitely, like, Casper, he's super personal. You could tell right away, like, how happy he was yeah. and ecstatic. And I liked the the phone call from Dylan Larkin as yesterday. Yeah. He was like, oh, how nice to hear from you. <laughs> I, I don't think he knew what to say in that. that he did not funny. know what to say. Oh, hey there. How's it going? <laughs> yeah, basically what it was. Um, no, I'm super happy about Marco Casper being a Detroit Red Wing. Because uh, obviously, I think this draft alone, like we look at the draft class as a whole from the Red Wings, it was very obvious we were addressing a need. And that was center throughout the whole draft and forward in general, forward depth in general. Um, yeah, right now, I think Grant's right. Like, Profile and Casper right now, you could be like, okay, he's gonna be a good third line center in the NHL, but what's the next step, right? Um, I saw comparisons to like Sorelli, Sam Bennett, that kind of thing. Um, I again, like an Anthony Sorelli would be awesome. I'm not complaining if we draft Anthony Sorelli eighth overall. You know what I mean? Ah, uh, yeah, I would be jacked. That that would be. Uh, I love Anthony Sorelli. Yeah, yeah. You guys know that. I know you do. I know you're trying to. You're trying to. You're basically petitioning for him to be traded to Detroit now. Yeah, it's not for out. sure. Yeah, for sure. Um, thanks, yeah, Ryan much- McDonough, for waving your no move clause. Yeah, jerk, jerk. Um, yeah, I don't know really much else. Like for the first round in general, I mean, we had the Kirby Doc trade that came down. With Alex Romanoff going to the Long Island and then the 13th pick going to Chicago. Um, yeah, I like the Frank Nazer pick there, though. Frank Nazer at 13 is a great pick. Again, Very we kind good. of just go back to 
Doc was a third overall pick. Don't you like Kyle Davidson was still in the organization at that point? Like, don't you have a little bit of trust in Doc? You know what I mean? I don't know. That's a question. Like, who do you whose upside do you prefer, Nazer or Doc? Yeah, that's the yeah. Of, that's what's so confusing to me for like Chicago is you have your the Brinkett and Doc who you could, could potentially like build around and you trade them off and keep Kane and Taves, which like obviously you're not going to trade them without their consent, but like, yeah, I don't know, it's just confusing because like they're in the back nine of their career, Kane and Taves are, and then uh, Kirby Doc and the bracket are your two most young, exciting players you have on your roster, and you just gave the bracket away for pretty much next to nothing. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. It's it's, just it's confusing. Uh, is like like I agree with you. Like, what's you don't don't trust Doc at all, or like what's yeah, right. On? Like, because Davidson's been in the organization since like 2010. Is like he was an intern in 2010 when they right. won, and he's worked his way up. He's young still. He's I think he's 34. I think he is as a GM. He's very young. Mm-hmm. Um. So, yeah, I, I, I guess I kind of just question, like, your trust. And then I'm kind of just trying to look at the picks in a vacuum, though. Like, ignoring the trades, looking at the picks, I think Chicago did very well. In the draft. I did, yeah. too. Yeah, Lots, lots of high upside picks. Yep. Sam Renzel as well later in the draft. Very high upside pick. Yeah. He's going to be a project. Yeah, um, which nothing is okay. else really, I was really surprised how early the Russians went. Obviously, super happy for Ivan Marashashenko to be awesome. able to – be able to be drafted and also probably be drafted by like the team your idol plays for, right? I still think it's all. I, th- I literally think he could have been a top 10 pick in this. Draft. Oh, he definitely, definitely could have. If he was obviously fully healthy, obviously with his Hodgkin's lymphoma di- diagnosis. And I saw he's at the Washington's. Uh, I saw that too. Camp, That's awesome. But he's not, he's not going to be on ice. But I mean, still just be him, him being around is really great. I was surprised some of those guys were actually at the draft too, like him and Yurov. Yeah, I mean, yeah, really, when you look at it, the only person, like, the only Russian player that was really affected by, like, positioning was Yurov, because Min- Minshikov went 10th, but, I mean, w- it wasn't really surprising, considering he played in, in, Saginaw. Dude, played in Saginaw. His suit? Yeah, yeah it was, that was sick. Dude. Sick. Pat Verbeek saw it. He's like, all right, we got it. Yeah. I'm looking for suits in the audience, and mid-tick it is. Yeah, there. There we go. I want it. got it. He botched it. Let's talk about Verbeek. Really quick, um, him at the podium was hilarious. Like trying to announce the tenth overall pick, he botched like five different words. <laughs> Poor guy, he's a little nervous. Sorry, Patty, if you're listening. Yeah, I know he he, he frequents. He yeah, he's, listen quite a bit. Yeah, he's he's a long time listener. <laughs> every episode. every every episode. Yeah, it's crazy. He's had more episodes than I have. <laughs> i mean it's not hard at this point yeah <laughs> oh my god um yeah minnesota with drafting your off too and then they got liam ogren like five picks earlier great draft they killed that draft great draft buffalo also killed it buffalo draft buffalo like all it. my favorite players yeah besides i mean savoy like i think savoy's fine at nine like he i would have rather naser there but savoy i get um then you get who they drafted 16 again it was um Oslin, no Osland. Great pick. What's that? A little news for you guys. Detroit Red Wings did not receive qualifying offers. Mitchell Stevens, Olu Levy, Caden Fulcher, and Philip Larson. Okay. I did forget not, about those guys. Not surprising. Um, yeah, perfect. So we were gonna talk about that. So we get the breaking news. So obviously, like Philip Zina and Jake Wallman were like the only two that were any of relevance, and Chase Pearson gets one. 
and Chase Pearson does go in. Good for Chase. Big yeah, Chase I, Pearson I, I, it doesn't it doesn't surprise me because it's qualifying is going two ways. Still, it's probably gonna be like whatever eight seventy five, yep. and then I think he's a he's a high value guy in the organization. With yes, that. yes. No, good for him. Mitchell Stevens, unfortunately, like when you look at his season getting injured and then not coming back full health, and it, it, he looked like a different player. I just, I just don't think his job was to outshine Carter Rowney, and he didn't do it in the no. time in the time he wasn't injured. It sucks that yeah. you got injured, but I think he was outshined by Carter Rowney. To be quite honest with you, I think so too. Yeah. I agree. It's a injury suck for him too because, like, coming to a new organization and having those expect or well, the ability to exceed those expectations, and then yep. it just gets weird once he starts kind of fitting in the group. And then he's out for what was it out for three and a half months almost? Yeah, I was literally at like one of the last games he played in in Boston. It was November fourth. He got hurt the thirteenth of November. I remember this because against Montreal, right. and then he didn't he didn't come back until I think March. Oh, so he was out for a long time. That's four months, almost five. Yeah, I mean he did break his ankle, so I mean definitely right. definitely tough for him and. I think he'll he'll find like a two way deal. I think probably most likely. I wonder if he goes back to Tampa. Tampa, that's, that's curious. You know, comfort, you know, comfort and knowing your surroundings, and then people like they know what you were like early on. And you don't really have to. I mean, you still have to prove yourself, but I mean, with their cap crunch and stuff, he'll be cheap. Yeah, I don't know. I think I can see that happening. Yeah, he knows the systems and stuff, so those right. people organization. Yeah, like that yeah. could happen. Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of assume that he wouldn't get one. I just think there's better options there than right. him. Um, like I even think so like too. Sam Sam Gagne, bring him back. Even I'd rather that to be honest yeah, for, the with roster, you. for the roster spot. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, definitely. Also, I don't know how much this intri- intrigues you, but Ryan Donato did not receive one. Hayden Fleury did not receive one, and Daniel Sprong didn't receive one. And Hayden Shlowski. Hayden Fleury is an interesting one to me. A little bit. I think he's like a depth guy more so, but I think he could be like a third pairing guy. Uh, Donato had a pretty decent year. That's uh, I was kind of curious about the Donato one. I don't yeah. think Seattle is very good. He was one of their brighter spots last year. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I, I'm curious about that one. Like, what are they planning to do? Seattle's crazy, man. Um, but yeah, I was I was sticking on Minnesota. I just wanted to say quickly, like Minnesota had a great draft. Buffalo had a great draft um, from the first round perspective. Then we go to um, going into day two. Can I get this shit moving around? Um, Red Wings. I'm at work still. I took a half day. It's 9:45, I think it is, when the news drops. But uh, Red Wings trade the 73rd overall pick for the UFA rights to Vili Huso. Um, did not see this coming at all, and I was like, okay, this is a crazy trade. Like all caps to, to in our group chat. Whoa. And immediately, like five minutes after, I think it comes out that he's agreed to a three-year extension. <laughs> so, like, I saw a bunch of people online, like, flaming. They're like, why did the Red Wings give up a third-round pick? Okay, a couple of reasons. One, the Red out of any team in the NHL, the Red Wings can afford to give up a third-round pick. Yeah, we do not need we, – we're not starved for third-round talent in our prospect pool. No, we're not. We don't need uh, – the chance something hits in a third round, you're like, okay, cool, we have a bottom six forward. Okay. Um, secondly, the goalie market was is hot right now, hot, and you get the chance to bring in a guy who can be uh, possibly a starting goalie for your team. 
and who's still relatively young. I mean, 27. Yeah. A good tandem. I love at very, well, the, at very worst, a tandem. Yes. Um, so, yeah, right away, my like, what are your guys' what were your guys' initial thoughts when the trade broke? Honestly, I didn't really know what to think. I was kind of in shock. Uh, the more I thought about it, I was that's such a good deal. I mean, it's such a good deal from no matter what uh, perspective you look at it, especially with the market right now. I mean, heck, Matt Murray just went to the Leafs. Like, Jack Campbell's about to make $5.5 million in Edmonton for five years probably. And I think Billy Huso is way better than Jack Campbell, just so you know. Yep. Um, I, I don't know, to be honest. I think that's such a good trade, and I think those two are really going to push each other next year. And if you improve defense next year by a decently large margin, which I think even hefty words here, but Simon Edmonton is obviously going to help that. And then yep. you need an addition or two also on that decor. And then you have two very solid goalies back there. Yep. Yep. I think this, there's like a couple things like my mind goes to right away with this. One, the what really stands out to me is the number and the term for Huso. So 4.75 million a year, which I mean is high for him for sure. Detroit is cap space. I think that's what he was gonna get for any other team, but I just think it's it's high considering it was only a one, it was kind of his first year of really breaking out. Um, but what's significant to me about that is how much higher it is than Alex Nelkovich's. It's almost it's almost two million. It's it's almost two million dollars more than Alex Nelkovich's contract right now. Um, so I kind of just like look at that and like, so we kind of know who our starter is going to game one. I don't I don't think that has any effect. And to be completely honest with you, really, I think the reason they had to do that is to get Philly Huso to sign. I think the market for Billy Huso was going to be very high. I think he was arguably the best goalie on the market. Yeah. Yeah, um, I think teams were going to be willing to sign him for 4.5 to 5 million. I don't know. I wonder what Edmonton would have forked at him or Toronto. Mm-hmm. Very curious. Until Darcy Kemper was considered on the market, I think Billy Huso was the hot number one target. And also, yeah. he's 27 to mm-hmm. a couple years older, right? So, right. Yeah. That's so like- I, I think the deal was really good and I think it needed to happen. Um, yeah. I guess I I really like the deal. Yeah, yeah, and I like I know Steve Eisman basically said that he wants the t- he sees it being a good tandem and that's why he wants it to be run. And he think he sees value of how how busy an NHL schedule is throughout throughout a season and having two guys that can push each other. Because I mean, towards the end of the season, Grice was a non option, and you saw Nedeljkovic's workload get so much bigger than his his play plummet. The first half of the season, Alex Nedeljkovic was a good goalie, roughly like a nine ten nine fifteen on a on a defensively like the defensively yeah. issued ridden team yeah. blot is a better word i was trying to think that word and i said everything but it um but yeah and then you look at the second half it's just like nedelkovich kept getting it was in a slump and had no one to help him out of the slump in terms of grice's play so you look at it from huso coming in you have a guy pushing you if he's gonna be playing to the level he played at this year obviously Bit of a bit of a shock coming into a Detroit system. It's not gonna be as good defensively as St. Louis, probably. Who knows? Maybe something crazy happens. But he still has great numbers from last year, and that's a guy who can push Nelkovich, who's a very competitive player. I feel like this is only a good thing for Detroit. 
And also, Eisman did say that this doesn't affect their ability to resign Adalkovic as well, which I thought was important. Um, yeah, the other thing I initially thought of when Huso was signed, like after I sat on it for a little while, like probably like an hour, uh, Steve Eisman's not done. He's not done whatsoever. You don't make a move like this ahead of free agency spending draft capital paying a guy almost $5 million to be your one of your starting, like one of your one, a one B goalie. If you're not going to make a play in free agency for another bigger name, that's my opinion. I don't know if you guys feel the same way, but I feel like you're not like if you were planning on just kind of like incrementally getting better next year, I don't think you're going out and getting another goalie of like that caliber. No, so that's what I was going to say is, like, when I was at work and the news broke across, like, came across for the trade, and then, like you said, five, ten minutes later, the extension happened, which you obviously assumed the extension was in place if they're going to trade for his rights, but um, it kind of brought excitement because a big move, well, yeah, notably decently-sized move like that is leading up into free agency. You assume there's going to be some big name, big market players that he's eyeing up to bring in, so... More or less, it brought me excitement to see, like, hey, okay, now we have two goalies in our system, one check, but you're giving up draft capital, like you said. So, what's his plan? What's his future plan here within the next week or so? Yeah. I, I guess I don't want to jump the gun. I don't necessarily think it means that they're going to be attacking heavily in the free agent market. I think it means that it could just mean exactly what they said they were going to go out and do is improve team defense. That's literally all it could mean. Like they could just uh, upgrade their decor and have two really good goalies and they don't, they don't really change much up front. I still think that's a possibility, right? Yeah, definitely. I know. I think you're, that's a great point because you're going to keep improving over the next couple of years without making a rash decision. On right. overpaying for a free agent that you don't think ultimately is going to be valuable in three years. You're not giving a guy six years, you know? Right. No, I, I think that's definitely a great point. I don't know. I, I still feel that like, I think they're going to spend in some places and they're going to, they're going to make some additions in free agency because, and you bring up a good point, proving team defense is like not just the goaltending, but also getting def- like more defensemen. I think, in this year's free agent crop, I mean, you have a couple guys who can play four, maybe like a four or number five, and it just doesn't really inspire confidence. Like maybe you pick up one of them, but you're gonna look maybe at the like market. maybe like an Ian Cole or something. Yeah, <laughs> he's trending. He's trending on Twitter for all the wrong reasons right now. We look into, not, this is not a Carolina podcast, but man, yeah. tough look for the Carolina. Yeah, Ian Cole's on the hot seat. You know, pun Good intended. <laughs> Stop it! <laughs> I'm sorry. I couldn't, couldn't help myself. Andre, Andre Sveshnikov too. What's that? Uh, Sveshnikov is also pulled into that. Just saying. What? Yeah, I will talk about it later. Maybe, but it's, yeah. All right, we're off the rails. We'll stop that. Um, no, I think yeah, improving team defense. Maybe Ian Cole is the answer. Who knows? Um, <laughs> Uh, Brett Kulak is definitely my guy, though. If he makes it to market, I'm throwing I'm throwing some money at Brett Kulak because I think he can be a good four. And you, then you make a trade for maybe like a Nick Hague or something or a Marcus Pedersen, who's a name that always gets tied to Detroit for a cap dump. But I think Marcus Pedersen is actually a good player. Has very positive defensive 
numbers. Um, so yeah, no, I, I think definitely, but I also like, I think that we have a cap floor to hit at least if not yeah. spend a little bit over it, money's got to be spent somewhere. And, and our, as we talk about our RFAs, they're not making any money. <laughs> the guys we qualified might be like $3 million altogether. Is the RFA deadline like to qualify them tonight? And then the UFA? Yeah, it, was, it just, it just passed. It just yeah, passed. Okay. So 5, 5 p.m. was the deadline. And then what's the UFA one? Is it midnight tomorrow night or tonight if you're listening to like, or depending, like, like Tuesday night, midnight? No, you, can, is- you can negotiate until like, they don't hit market until I think 12 p.m. Wednesday. Oh, okay. So it's up till midnight. I can't remember if it was 12 like a.m. like midnight or if it was three as soon as UFA free agency starts. I think that's how it works. I think okay. that's how it works. I knew there was a deadline on one or the other. Or I thought one for like the RFA qualifying offers for sure. Offers for sure. But I wasn't sure if there was one still or one with UFAs or not. Yeah, for sure. But I mean, like kind of going back to Huso now. I mean, you look at our tandem moving forward. It's a pretty, pretty respectable tandem. You, you compare it to, you compare it to other teams around the league. Like I kind of like compare it to like a Boston, who has Swayman Allmark, who's really good. So, like, how do you guys feel about the Huso Ned tandem, like compared like to the rest of the league? Like, where do you think that stands? I would argue it's one of the best. I, I guess when best comes to mind, first thing that comes up to me is is pre- pretty easily Sorokin and Varley. Mm-hmm. And then after that, I would think like Bob and Knight. And I guess I, I, I would think Huso and Ned would be right up there. And then Ranta and Anderson too. And I guess those four teams. Vasilevsky and whoever. Vasilevsky and uh, Brian Elliott or Hugo Alfnet. <laughs> yeah. I, I think like you go like at least top half of the league for sure. Like I, yeah, I think easy. it's, I think it'd be top five to 10. I don't know if I'm going to top five, 10, I can see, but who, who would, I guess those four that I just named and then them, I really don't think there's another tandem that's that you have two very good caliber. I mean, like Bennington and Huso last year were a really good tandem. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, I guess uh, that's fair. I guess because I'm I'm weighing it on tandem because I mean go like Thatcher Demko and whoever his backup Spencer be. Martin. <laughs> he wasn't that bad, dude. He was sick in the games he played. Yeah, he wasn't bad. He I lost me. I remember he lost me some money because I was betting against the Knucks both nights that he played. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I'm yeah I'm thrilled. Billy Huso's uh, Red Wing. I mean, obviously his introductory podcast or podcast his introductory interview with uh, the media he said it was kind of a surprise he kind of alluded that they've been they were negotiating before um the deal like they said he said thursday day one of the draft that he knew the red wings had interest so he was kind of thinking i so i'm guessing what happened is eisman's like okay here's what i would offer you if something a deal would be in place to Doug Armstrong and since they're buddies guys, they've been trading together like for a while, ever since Eisman's been the GM in Detroit, him and Doug Armstrong made a lot of deals. I also don't think they've been like lopsided deals either. Like I, I go back to what, what Robbie Fabry. Yeah, but they didn't lose anything. They didn't have time and space for Robbie Fabry. Oh, I don't know. I heavily just, I, don't agree with that. I, I think that was 
that was a good guy move by Armstrong, in my opinion. I it was a good guy move. For he sure. was not. He was not playing, and I don't think he saw fit for him there. So he's like, "Okay, I'll get scraps for you. I get, I get a fourth line player that didn't pan out to be a fourth line player." Yeah, that's what happened. I, I I go back to the Nick Letty trade. I think that was a need that they wanted, and they didn't feel Wallman was the fit there at the time, and Nick Letty no. went there and performed. And they got got to move salary with Sunquist. Yeah, who that helps them because I think Sunquist would have moved if not this offseason then. Considering, yeah. I mean, you got St. Louis's cap structure right now. So that's a good point. And I think, like, it's, I think it obviously that looks kind of like the old boys club and they have their old connection from Hockey Canada and stuff like that. And I think it's obvious. But I mean, again, I think it's valuable as well because you can call and make a move like this and you get ahead of the game and help St. Louis. They definitely, they're, have been a competitive team for a long time and they need the draft capital more than Detroit does. Yeah. I, I like that. A third round pick right now to the Red Wings isn't, doesn't really isn't mean anything game breaking. No. No, and really, really big prospect pool right now. Especially like we lack like the high end like prospect. Like I mean, obviously we have like Edvinson and Kosa, hopefully, and then hopefully Marco Casper as well fits in that. But I mean, overall, like when you look at the system, like we have plenty of depth. Like guys who probably will play NHL games somewhere. Probably not all of them can play in the Detroit, but play NHL games or get close. A third round pick, like your best, you're hoping for that. So I, it's just not something Detroit needed. So I obviously I'm super excited to see how Huso fits in. It was a bigger need to get a goalie than it was to have a third round prospect for sure. Yep, definitely. And again, we were talking about like a couple of weeks ago, like how we didn't, we weren't sure, like we were, we were talking about getting another Oaklandara type to be Ned's backup because we just didn't think the Red Wings were going to be in the market for a goalie. That's the but, way I thought it was trending. Yeah, yeah. but I mean, you, you look at it, it makes it makes a ton of sense why they would. Because I mean, Ned's workload obviously got way too big. Yeah. At the end, and his play suffered. And Detroit's uh, ultimately Detroit's team suffered as well. I mean, granted, you can argue how much was it on Ned and more so the defense, but obviously both were issues and definitely need to be addressed. And you, you got one of them done. You got one of them done. Um, so the rest of day two. Uh, I think the Red Wings just kind of just decided that they were just going to pick the guys with the best names and just hope they, they pan out. I mean, you look at the, you look up and down the list. We got Amadeus rock me Amadeus. I don't know. I, I love that Dan Cleary admitted or not Dan Cleary. Um, Chris Draper admitted that he, he almost went off script and that's how he announced him when he was drafted. Yeah. That would have been really funny. Uh, Maximilian. Great name. Uh, T- Tinas, Tinas. I don't know how to pronounce that actually. Um, and then obviously, who who's the other one that I thought of? That was it. Like the, I mean, Dmitry Buchalikov, great name. Um, I don't really have any thoughts on like any of these guys really because I'd never I've never seen them play. So I don't right. think it's it's not fair for me to profile them. Um, Dylan James, from what I've read, I saw Zach Hyman comparable and like Tyler Bertuzzi, from the sense he's like a very two way gritty guy, really responsible. But he also had a pretty big offensive. Like he was almost a point per game, one rookie of the year, the USHL. I Going think he's he's a North he's Dakota, a, a real Carter Mazer type. So yeah, exactly. The yeah. Red Wings have a type right now, and it's gritty guys that want to play big time games that are going to perform in big time games. Like I mean, you look at Mazer, Casper, James. Yeah. There's a lot of these players that have performed in big time games, and I I, think I like that. Me too. I think it's definitely like you definitely need guys like that, especially like when you line up his timeline. He'll probably play three, two, three years of college, 
and that's probably where the Red Wings are making bigger well, playoff runs. And you sign him to an ELC, and he can join the team. Also, you look back at everyone that's won Yosicho Rookie of the Year in the past. Very, very elite players. Very. Uh, was it Anders Lee, um, Jake Gensel? Max Pacioretty. Max Pacioretty. Uh, Joe Pavelski. Ever heard of him? Yeah, I've never heard of that guy. Uh, did, uh, no. You said he's going to Nodak too, right? Yeah. Yes, I, I did say that. So he joins, Cooper, he joins Cooper Moore, so now the Red Wings have two prospects there. And our, our, boy, cool. our boy Tyler Dunbar. Hey, Andy. Yeah. He got invited to Colorado's camp, right? Yeah. Yeah. Nice. It's good for him. Good for him. Um, yeah, the rest – I mean, Dmitry Buchnikov is probably my favorite pick because nobody had him anywhere close to the second round. I think the highest I saw him was like 113 or something like that, like something crazy. And he got picked 52. And you look at his highlight reel, I mean, because that's, that's all I can really base off of. I'm not watching like K, like MHL like games. Uh, he is fun. Oh, he was in the fun. MHL, the AHL or whatever. It was he was in the MHL, oh, so yeah. the junior the junior league. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he, uh, second year eligible, he was eligible for the like he barely missed like the eligibility mark. He was September sixth, and the cutoff is September sixth or fifteenth. So, like, okay, he's two years eligible, but not really. Yeah. If we really want to be technical about it. Uh, 41 goals, I think he had 34 assists, 75 points. Very small winger. I think he's 5'10", a buck 60. Tiny. But, like, I don't know if, I don't know about you guys, but the first thing I saw on the highlights, I'm like, okay, Artemi Panarin. Dude, this kid, Style. he's electric. <laughs> he so much, like, he has a bit, he comes off the wall with such speed. Like, like his crossover to actually make a move and then shoot. He is a bomb. Great shot. Um, I did see, like, the biggest concerns with him is, like, he's not a great skater. He's an okay skater, like, like from, like, his edges and stuff like that. But that's kind of, like, the biggest concern. And not having a lot of size is why he wasn't profiled high. I did. Like, I knew when the Red Wings drafted him, I kind of recognized his name. But I couldn't remember from where. And it was the gold medal game against Team Canada and the U18 World Junior Championships. He scored that disgusting goal. It was a sniz. Mitchkov right. threw him a pass on the wing, and he just ripped it. I'm like, who's this little tiny kid? And it was, dude, it was a rip. I uh, do remember the name now. I remember like seeing it like on Twitter and stuff. Um, that's a good callback. Um, good callback. But, I mean, he was not – like stat-wise, he wasn't great in the U18 World Junior Championships. Um, no. The, the year prior – I know he really had kind of a, a resurgence year this year. I mean, his points per game was ridiculous. And having, what was it, 41 goals in 56 games? Is that yes. what it was? That's disgusting. 52 games. 52 games. 52. There's also his playoffs were nine playoff games, nine goals, five assists. <laughs> he was second in the league in points for the MHL. I mean, I, I definitely love the swing here. Because, I mean, he, he's, like, obviously the Russian factor is definitely something we I think we've talked about. Um, and you don't know when he's going to be able to come over and, like, what he's – he's his rights are owned by Ska, who's obviously has implications government-wise in Russia and love to keep their star players. So there might be an opportunity – like, there might be a thing where he's he's there for a while. I really liked what Draper had to say about him. I don't know if you guys listened to his uh, interview on the Word with Woodward or not. 
but I didn't I didn't I didn't watch it yet. I, I did see it was because it was today, right? Yeah, he had some good things to say about him and how pumped he is to be a Red Wing, basically. Um, how they haven't had much contact with him, but it's the the scout in Russia. His name is Valerie, I think it was. What whatever his name is, but he's been talking to him a lot, and uh, Dimitri's been asking for uh, to go over video with them, basically, and stuff like that. And he wants a uh, he wants a translator. He wants <laughs> the Red Wings to get him a translator or something I mean, like that. Might as well. Might as well. Uh, so you no, can learn I, so... the English language. But I so like the... how they they really ha- were talking with the. The, the Russian scout, I can't think of his name off the top of my head right now, but I like that they're talking with him and seeing where they had to pick him instead of playing the board and waiting until like mm-hmm. last second to pick him just right. in case you thought someone would pick him. I like going for him when you want him. Yeah, exactly. If it's a player you want, take him. You run into trouble when you try to play the board. It, it, sometimes it works out, sometimes it doesn't. Like I, I, we talked about Minnesota having a good first round. They played the board because I guess they – they think Yurov is the better player over Ogren, from what I've read, but they were weren't convinced that Ogren would be available at twenty five or twenty four, whatever. So they took they took the player who they you know so they took the chance that Yurov would still be there and they it paid off. Dead. Yeah. So no, I I, I agree, and it, it kind of like seems like with the with the Red Wings is like that's kind of like their thing. They'll they don't really care where they're picking. They're like, okay, well we have our guy, we'll take it. Um, the rest of the draft is complete like crapshoot. I don't really know like anything about anyone. I mean, Anton Johansson, another Johansson into the system. Also, good to get the right side going a little bit. Like it's kind of a def- like in our system now. Like defensively, like we don't have a lot of right hand defensemen. He's a big boy. Yeah, that's played, a big played big four SH played four SHL games, which is pretty cool. Also, Alex Wenberg's cousin. That's pretty oh, cool. That's pretty cool. I, just, I, don't... I thought. Of, I'd like to hear that uh, Draper thought they were going over, or they said they were going over to watch someone else in Lexans, and then happened to be he got called up that night, and they so ended up watching him. I was kind of lucky, like when you yeah were there and you get like obviously a guy who's draft eligible gets called up, like it's a pretty big deal. Yeah, um, Amadeus, Amadeus, sorry, uh, small center, highly skilled, good playmaker. Seems like he was he was ranked a little higher earlier on in the year. Kind of fell a little bit, then kind of bounced back up. Um, they seem pretty happy about him. I like I like the swing on upside. He was almost pumper game in the OHL as draft eligible. He's like one of those interesting guys that, uh, with his skill, I think he has the opportunity to pop off in the O. You mm-hmm. see a lot of like guys do that. Yeah. Was yeah. He? Yeah. Flint, uh, yeah. Yeah. He was in Flint. Yes. Yep. So definitely got they would have got enough views on him for sure. Pretty He's, local. He's another guy that Draper had said that was very good in the playoffs too. Right. Uh, Maximilian plays uh, center and wing. 14 goals in 27 games in J20 for Oribo. Um, Yeah, another SHL guy. Can't hurt. Can't hurt. (laughs) Leave him over there for years and just let him develop. Um, I, I should have not like as soon as he saw like the Mathurin pick, um, big left hand defenseman, 6'3, 200. Like, all right, Detroit's picking him. <laughs> uh, I did see that they think there's more upside offensively with him because I think he had like 15 points in like 40 some games, which the OHL means nothing. That's not great, but I guess he was really he's really sound defensively. He played on North Bay, was if I'm not mistaken, pretty good this year. Andy, you're the OHL guy. 
Yeah, I believe they were. I didn't really pay much attention to the this year. Come on, yeah. come on. Yeah. What, what what are you used for? Yeah, you're an <laughs> OHL guy. We're gonna have to we're gonna talk about you know trying to find a new OHL guy. If you know what I'm saying. I'll go back to the OHL when it starts getting good again. <laughs> okay, that's fair. Um, then our two – we didn't have a sixth-round pick, so our two seventh-round picks were uh, two pretty good-sized centers. Um, uh, Owen Mellenbacher, who's uh, played Muskegon, committed to Wisconsin, 6'2", 42 points, 56 games. Um, again, going to a pretty good program, Wisconsin, pretty close. Um, definitely a four-year guy. But the the last pick, actually, is like the one I'm – I'm actually one of the more intrigued ones on, prep school kid, um, Brent, Brendan Ollie. Uh, I guess he tested one of the, he had one of the best testing at the combine from what I read. Like, I guess he's a freak athlete, very young. He only played, he played nine USHL, USHL games last year. He's committed to Notre Dame for next year, which I find kind of interesting that they're not going to send him back to the USHL for another year or something. I like think that. he is going back to the USHL. Oh, oh, is he? Okay. I, I'm I read, pretty sure. I just looked at, I went off elite <laughs> prospects and I just saw he's listed for Notre, or Notre Dame I next year. I thought Draper said him and Mellenbacker are both going back to the U. Okay, that's a good thing. I I, I want I, that should that should be the path for them because I mean you kind of get clogged in on a good college system and it's kind of hard yeah, for you to especially when Notre Dame's kind of an older school. Right, right. Um, but no, I think like he's got some raw ability and I think he was like ranked pretty high at one point. Like he was ranked like he was actually getting ranked by central scouting at one point. Then he fell off a little bit. So it's definitely a, an interesting pick, something to keep an eye on. But as I said, like, so, so only Brennan, Brennan Ollie was the only player from day two that was actually at the draft. And he was the last pick. So it's pretty cool that he gets his name called and he actually gets, gets the Jersey. I did see that Draper was joking around with the media that he was going to start handing out hats to them. Cause they had a bunch of leftover. Mm-hmm. Because <laughs> no, 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 none of the other ones showed up. But I mean, just kind of think about it though. Like as an agent, like I wouldn't be telling my players to show up if you weren't 100 percent sure you're going to get drafted. Just yeah. to see those kids get crushed and like with their families and they have these huge hopes. Like I definitely would not be pushing for that either. So I, it definitely makes sense. Um, but no, yeah, Brennan, Ollie, it was a cool story though. Especially like the especially the last pick of the draft, the Colorado drafted that goalie. And he was still in the stands, and I guess his family went wild, which is super cool. That is awesome. Happy for him, obviously. Um, yeah, uh, like I said, a lot of off the board picks and uh, public uh, public draft analysts. I'm I'm only talking about one specifically. Not a fan of the Red Wings draft at all. Uh, Scott Wheeler ranked it 32nd. Oh, I saw that. A big part of that is because he doesn't like Marco Casper that already was off to a tough start. Like he ranked him like 25th or something like that, which whatever you can disagree with, whatever. But then he basically like called like the Red Wings, like trying to galaxy brain. And I think is the word he used describing the rest of the draft, which I mean, again, that's they get paid to do the thing, whatever. I'm just excited for his referendum on Marco Casper. Like he did for Mart Sider. Steve. Well, I mean, a lot of people are bashing Steve today. Cider, but yeah, he was one of the big ones on like publicly yeah. and how against he was on the cider pick, but whatever. Mark, I Mark Casper gives the same vibe, so that's cool. Calder Trophy, it's fine. it's fine. And I look at like his partner, like it's not his colleague, Corey Promner, who had like the Red Wings ranked like pretty highly in the draft, like he gave him like a B, I think. 
not that I really like, I think it's pretty unfair to like even grade, give it like a letter grade. I'm not, I wasn't even going to ask you guys for a letter grade. Cause I, I think it's kind of unfair to even yeah. try to, cause these kids haven't like we, I've, I've only seen Mark Casper play games and I haven't seen a lot. It's all, it's all with these scouting. This might sound bad. This, these scouting sections or whatever, they grade the drafts on their favorite players, basically. So yep. like Carolina got a big grade because all the Gleb, scouting, Gleb Trikasov. Everyone loves Gleb Trikasov, and Carolina got him at like sixty. Yep. Basically, that's how it goes. And the Gruden guy who they got at like pick one hundred fifty six, I think yeah, it was. Seattle got a really good score too because. Yeah, Jagger Furcus. Jagger Furcus. I think Seattle also did very good though. I, I'm not gonna lie. I'll give Seattle that. Well, getting but, um, Shane, Shane right at four too. Kind oh, of. that helps big time. That helps big time. Um. But yeah, I again TBD. I, I can't really say I'm one way or the other how I feel about the draft. I, I like the upside picks on the first three picks, but then again, I don't really know anything else besides that. And that's that's not my job to know it. That is uh Steve Eisman and Co. and how they develop the players, and I will make my decision. Ask me in a year. And I'll tell you how I feel about it. Um moving on. I Eisman post draft, I think we talked about it a little bit. Um he felt he felt like a need to get ahead of the hot goalie market. And then with the Huso pick, he I said, he doesn't um, impact the ability to resign Ned. And we kind of talked about, I wonder what other things he was talking about in accomplishing. I'm he really said, curious. When huh? he said they accomplished a few other, or they wanted to accomplish. A yeah. Few I know we kind of joked about the, the, I think before, I don't think we actually mentioned on this, but no, we didn't. on the sport, on the sports net feed, you saw after Eisman drafted Casper, he went up to the Arizona table and was yucking it up with Shane Doan and Bill Armstrong. It's kind of hard for me not to like imagine that like something was talked about in on like something like maybe like a trade or something. I don't know how far it went or anything. Probably not that far, but maybe it was even Chickering. You never know. Maybe Chickering for eight. I don't know. That could have been something too, considering it was after Detroit picked. Yeah. Right. So or, or they were just chattering. Maybe yeah, maybe maybe Steve Eisen just wanted to say how to Shane Down. I mean, that's cool too. Maybe never know. He's, he must have said something pretty funny because Shane Down was about crying. He looked he looked like he was having a great time. Yeah. Um couple nineteens just talking to each other. Yeah, couple nineteens. That's right. I do love Shane Down. Yeah, uh, he's like one of my favorite players of all time. Um I kind of want to move into development camp a little bit because that started on Sunday. Today's Monday. So um, I wanted to start with, like, I don't know if you guys watched the Cleary press conference, which, by the way, I haven't seen Dan Cleary in person and, like, on, like, camera in so long, which I thought was pretty great. He, looks, he still looks good, pretty good. I'm not gonna he lie. does look good. Yeah. I don't know. Um, but I did find it interesting. The, the like, I think, so obviously, quick notes off of it. The Swedes are struggling to get over. Edvinson's passport still hadn't gotten back. The other two missed flights. So like Wallinder and um Niederbach were, were still like they're they're scheduled. I think they're supposed to be coming in today. They but Edvinson is still TBD considering he's like his passport hadn't gotten back. I just think it's funny that Dower Nelson's just chilling there. Like a villain. Yeah, he's the only one at camp. He's just he's just there. He's just hanging out. He's having a good time. Yeah. Having a good time. I like looking at the prospect roster too, stacked. The development yeah. roster is stacked. So many they're miss, like they're missing one player. Uh, Soder, Dandy, Soderblom, Dylan Anderson, yeah, T Bone Cup. Uh, 
you, you guys Trent, missed Trent, it. Trent Bliss. Trent Bliss. Trent Bliss is there, so that's pretty cool. He, he is there. He's there. Uh, I thought that was kind of neat. Uh, I watched. I watched him play in high school. Yeah. Fun fact. Also, Michigan Tech alumni. Michigan Tech alumni as well. Yeah. He's a good player. I'm. I'm happy. I hopefully he gets to have a nice little AHL career, a Dominic Shine esque kind of thing. Yeah, that'd be cool. That'd be cool. Stay, stay local and stuff like that. Yeah, be sweet. But uh, no, the thing that really, really stood out to me, um, with the clear press conference when they brought up Carter Mazer. There was the one point where Carter Mazer, he clearly was talking about how Carter Mazer was like struggling to score, and he called Cleary on like a Wednesday, and he's like, "Hey, can you send me video out of me like shooting?" Because he felt like he wasn't getting a shot off quick enough, and clearly, like quickly put together like a five minute, like him and like the scouting staff or the development staff, like put together like a five minute montage, and got it back to him that day, and he watched it, and immediately that weekend he like popped off, and it kind of kept going off of that. How quickly he learned, I thought that was really neat. Well, I don't know if you listened to interviews today, did you? No, I didn't get a chance. Well, that Carter Mazer was interviewed too, so I asked him a little bit about that. So it was interesting to hear from his side too. I'm assuming Mac. I'm assuming Max asked that question because Max is pretty quick like that. I'm not sure who asked it. I can't remember. Um, his interview was good though. Um, basic stuff like that, and mm. his mentality was nice to listen to. The Kosa one was very interesting to me. His interview. What was it like? Contentious. Uh, talking about how he wants to play in the highest league possible next year does mm. not sound like he wants to play in the WHL. Yeah, I mean that's gonna be a really interesting topic mm. coming up soon. Um, I mean, I think it's kind of already settled, my man. I, I just, well, I don't know. It's, unless you, unless you're competing with Bradstrom. Yeah, I don't know. I don't which know. Which I mean, possible. I don't know. I kind of feel that Bradstrom, Bradstrom deserves the spot, but that's just me. And Kosa, I don't. I think he still has some learning to do. I think in the in the WHL. I think. Yeah, I can, don't. I don't know. I yeah know nothing about goalies. I just thought that was really interesting. Right. I know it definitely is interesting that he'd say. I mean, I, what else is he supposed to say? You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. It'd be interesting to see what he does in, in August at the World Juniors. Right. Yeah. That'd be if, if he even goes. Yeah. Because yeah. I, I don't know if they're sending Casper even. I don't know if they're sending Kosa either. I think they're going to do I think, I think, think is best. I think they'll send Casper. They I think they'll don't send know. Casper. They already said they don't know if they're going to send Casper. And really, they, they don't know if Casper wants to go either. Why? Why, why does he want to go? Well, I'm just saying it sounded like Draper said mm. that they're, they're going to do whatever. Oh, I do guess. Them. I do. Yeah, that's true. Because uh, obviously the European schedules start a little bit earlier. So that, mm-hmm. that is a good point. That is a something that can be discussed um, in that sense. Um but I, I really liked what Cleary had to say. I, he pointed out that Cooper Moore also, he liked how his size was a lot better and, and improved. He looked better, which I thought was interesting because, I mean, he's like a fifth-round pick, and I, you know, maybe there's something there. College college guys are kind of weird like that. Um, he also named uh, Master Simone as well, who is there, who's a guy I'm really looking at this year as kind of your make or break it because he just transferred schools to Arizona State. He's going to play with the Coyotes this year. Oh, oh, oh. He might sign there. Yeah, he might just not, not. Send, we might just lose his rights in general, and just he just signs and I told you, stays in the same dorm room for the next four years. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. Good for him. It's nice. clock practice. Yeah, yeah it actually sounds like a good gig there. <laughs> Honestly, Rent's a little be pretty bit. cheap. <laughs> a little bit. Um. Yeah. So I, I like I liked the uh, skating highlights of Casper. That's good stuff. You can watch those all day. 
I need, yeah, obviously I'd love to see like Edvins in there, like how dominant he would be compared to like everyone else. Cause I think he's probably quite a bit ahead. Definitely. Um, I guess moving away from development camp, we can move into free agency. And a lot of news came out today as there was the RFA deadline and a lot of names that weren't qualified. Dylan Strom is kind of the one that we've touched on a little bit because there's rumors about it, but now it's official. He was not qualified. Uh, I think this would be quite the target for Steve Eisman and co uh, starting day one of free agency to fill a second, second line center spot. Yeah, I think Dylan Strom's a very intriguing option. Um, he's going to come in at a lot cheaper price tag than a lot of other guys and a lot um, better term, too. And I still think there's a lot of upside there for him. Um, there's a lot of guys that I'm very not interested in, and <laughs> he's uh, not one of those guys. I, I do have a pretty good interest in him. I, I do think – he he kind of screams Edmonton or Colorado to me though. I think he's going to sign with a um, an interesting system that's going to put him in the best chance to play with good players. Um, yeah, to play off his potential. I agree. Yep. I agree. Uh, and he's just... and he's he's boys with McDavid too. So he has boys with McDavid. That's right. That's right. Maybe he goes to New York too. New York's also a possibility. I mean, his brother. Uh, that'd be embarrassing that he replaces his brother. I mean, kind of the same thing at Edmonton, though, too. Think about it. Yeah. Yeah, it's a couple years away uh, away from that, and he's also going to play with his, like, junior Dude. friend. That's true. That's true. I don't know. I, I don't know. It depends on what he's looking for. Obviously, we have no indication of what he's looking for. Whether what he wants, he like... To, uh, what if he goes to Ottawa and goes with these line, becomes line mates with the Brinkett again? That That's is true. That is also a good point. They seem pretty heavy on the Claude Drew thing. Yeah. Also, Ottawa is just the most confusing to me, team to me right now. Like, what are you trying to do? They're like, okay, we traded for Alex Dabrinkit, and we're looking. We're, you know, we're we're now pushing for a spot. Then also, like the next day, we're also trying to. We're looking to trade Connor Brown, a guy who helps you win games as he's a like a middle six winger who penalty kills like a madman. I don't know. See, it doesn't really make any sense to me on what they're doing because they have five pretty good forwards but then after that is what are you doing so i don't know there kind of seems like they're like all right we're pretty comfortable in the mucky middle and we'll just figure it out from there um aside from dylan strom are there any other unqualified rfas that you guys are looking at going into free agency um Not really, I guess. Um, I won't even look towards Dominic Kubelik. I know you had mentioned. I, I just think Dom, Dominic Kubelik's a, a worse Jacob Verana, a lot lazier, and I don't think he's impactful except for his one-timer. So, And he right. can score 25 to 30 goals a year if he's put with the right teammates. That's why – he makes him kind of intriguing. I, I find Dominic Kubelik is a very interesting fit uh, with Sonny Milano not getting qualified on Zegris's wing. Yeah. Wouldn't that yeah, be interesting? That Dominic Kubelik with Zegris? Yeah, that'd be pretty yeah. sweet. Uh, I do think you, you mentioned Sonny Milano a little bit. I really don't have intrigue there. I just don't think he's 
the type of fit that I want right now. Um, I kind of view him as like the same caliber as like a Robbie Fabry, and you kind of get the competition. You kind of already have that. I know, but it's like if you don't want to make that huge splash, you have the competition between Fabry and him on who can play higher in the lineup. You know what I mean? That's kind of my two cents. And it's probably not going to be super long-term or anything is kind of my point. I guess I'm just surprised that the Ducks did not qualify him because I think he's kind of uh, a good fit fit with Zegras right now. Yeah, I guess you're kind of on his way there. And that's where I was kind of confused where why they didn't ex- uh, qualify him um Ilya samsonov is very interesting too obviously not for the red wings i just think mm-hmm. in general um for a team like buffalo yeah that definitely it's kind of that'd be buffalo. a really good fit definitely would be i thought maybe i thought the maple leafs before they made the, the matt murray trade because that's just dumb. oh man it gets worse every time you guys say it oh it's that like well, like you could go for like a tandem with Samsonov and someone else, but instead we're gonna pay Matt Murray four point eight million a year on the Scott Wedgwood trade. Trade for Scott Wedgwood, and yeah. you have a better, you have a better tandem. Trade for Mackenzie Blackwood. What do yeah. you guys? What do you guys think about like where does where's the Nada gonna land? Like that's just weird that Seattle, like we said, oh, also, yeah, recording Boston. Like, not- Harvard goes back, goes back, yeah, goes back, he goes to, back to school. <laughs> um, I think he goes like, oh, I think he goes to like another like rebuilding team again. I could see him in Chicago, Chicago. yeah. I think, Chicago I think I could see him in Chicago. so many roster spots. Like yeah, Dennis going to Chicago, Hayden Flurry's going to Chicago. You know, they might just intercept all the unqualified free agents. I was gonna say, what, what happens if they just like go big in free agency and just rebuild their roster overnight like unexpectedly they kind of have to mm-hmm. yeah it's, 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 you gotta happen. fill out some spots man you gotta fill some spots yeah definitely an interesting all but one three yeah Literally. i i i think hayden flurry is an interesting one to me personally for detroit i don't think he's like a huge like needle mover or anything but i think he is pretty solid defensively and he's pretty young still um maybe something maybe not i don't know i'm kind of shocked that they didn't uh, that they didn't qualify him. Yeah, no, like I think he's a he's an NHL player. I just Ron Francis know. loves Hayden Fleury, so I'm kind of surprised. Yeah, yeah, definitely a weird one. Got Connor. You got a you got a Morgan Geeky though, so you're all set. True, this guy, this guy. Um, what about unrestricted free agents? I know we kind of like we did our like preview, like we broke down some guys, but obviously some stuff has changed. Natushkin signed a eight year monster contract today. 49 million. 49 million. I mean, there's been some like moves that kind of maybe sway some opinions and whatnot, but like who are your targets going into Wednesday for Detroit? Um honestly on the defensive side of things, I think I, w- I would rather see a trade than like a cap dump trade on defense or like a compensatory deal to get a defenseman moved into Detroit rather than fork out money for a overvalued defensive free agent. I guess there's not many D men that I'm very interested in. Um, maybe like Alex Adler, just for his, I guess, aged experience. Um, but I mean, like if you're targeting a guy like, I know Marcus Pedersen is always seen as a cap dump, and that's a really easy one to speculate on. That is a kind of deal I wouldn't be opposed to. I know his cap hits quite large. Um, or you target a guy like Nick Hag is an easy target for you if Vegas is cap crunched 
and he ultimately doesn't have to accept a deal. I know his qualifying offer is very low. I think it's like 900K or right. 950, something like that. So Vegas can easily qualify him. Um, but I just would like to see them target him. Also, like a guy like, I don't know, maybe Alec Martinez is kind mm-hmm. of an interesting one. It's a Michigan, Michigan boy. boy. Yeah, Michigan guy. Jeff Petrie still intrigues me. I know the cap hits large. There's quite a few names in the trade base that I would much rather than in the, the unrestricted free agent. But when you hop into forwards, I think there's more names that meet the eye for me. Like, I, I would say Trocek and Kopp are two easy names if the term and the cap is right. I don't think I want to see them spend seven years on a guy. Um, I'm more comfortable with a four, three to five year range. If you're signing a guy, um, ultimately, I think if you get a player that can play in a middle six center spot, I think that's big for a team right now where the Red Wings are at. Um, So those are two guys that I'm really looking at. Yeah. Other than that, I'm not in love with anybody. I don't know about you guys. Yeah, I got my, I got my, I mean, let's go to Andy first. Andy talk. Yeah, I guess for like defense, like the only UFA, like interesting. Ian Cole. No, he's going to call Miller. (laughs) Yeah, Uh, Ian Cole. Yeah, I call Miller, but it would be like Kulak. It'd be interesting for the right term and price. That's, that's the only, honestly, that's the only defenseman that I'm really looking at. Yeah. UFA is Brett Kulak. Yeah, then like, like you joked earlier, like call Miller for depth, I guess, if you need. But um, then up front, like Palat for me. I like yep. them a lot. For the right, again, for the right term price. Like we talked about that before we got on air. Um, Trocek would be nice too, down the middle. Just, you know, just want to support Larkin in the top six, top two lines. Yep. And then who was the other guy you mentioned, Grant? Copper. Yeah, Cop. Again. For the right price and term, like it's all relative. Like you said, you're not signing anyone for six or seven years. My max would be five years for some of these guys because just how the direction we're heading in, you don't want it. Like Steve hasn't signed anyone long term, which I kind of like. We all kind of agreed we really like in a sense mm-hmm. for where we're at right now. And yes, we're moving forward in the rebuild, so you need to start signing some guys to a little bit longer term than two or three years, but you still don't want to go for a long haul on players. You don't really know what you're going to fully get out of them. I think before, before I, before I see someone sign long-term in UFA, I want to see a Larkin contract to be quite honest with you. I want to see a Larkin extension of eight by eight and a half or something like that. Whatever that may be. I, I just want to feel comfortable there before I don't want any like, Anything sour going on there? Right. Uh, sounds like Friedman said on Thirty Two Thoughts that it's going well. I saw that. That's good. Yeah, he, he thinks it's going to happen. So I, I, I would assume like a couple weeks after. I said, I said his birthday. His birthday is July thirtieth. So a few weeks after free agency, I could see Larkin signing. NHL players are weird and they love like the 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 perfect dates. Like you look at Matthews having his you know actual number that he wears on the ice in his contract, which is strange. But whatever, you know, let him do it. Which we're having his junior number. 
We players are weird, man. Players are, players are weird. Um, me personally, I mean, kind of going back to Grant said earlier, Alex Edler, I, I'm not like he's a huge target for me. He had a really good year, though. Um, it would go come full circle when there was the Gus Nyquist to Vancouver rumors for Alex Edler in like 2011. I don't know if you remember those. Mm-mm. You don't remember those? Oh, I, I remember like it was him and like it was Edler and like Jay Bowmeister was like the real hot names that were always. I there. remember Bowmeister. He was always yeah. linked to the Red Wings. Always. Those two were always linked to Detroit. And it would be kind of full circle and I kind of love it. Um, but on a serious note, um, I guess if I had to go in order, I think Trochek's my number one guy. I think he just brings so much and he he's a right-handed shot. He plays – if you, you've seen him in the playoffs, he's a competitor. I don't think the terms me crazy on him either. My only thing is it kind of – like I kind of – if I'm going to guess a place Trochek's going to go, it's me Pittsburgh. Considering they're not going to get, not going to have Malkin, you can bring down the home, you bring in the hometown guy. So ultimately, you miss out on Trocek. I'm looking at a couple guys on offense: Dylan Strom, obviously, Andrew Cobb, my guy, I love it. Um, <laughs> we were joking about it before, but Evgeny Malkin into Detroit would be hilarious. Would be hysterical. It would kind of make sense. From, I know, like. Grant's pretty anti-Malkin, and that's fine. Let me get Chase Tiller on here, Pittsburgh Penguins fan. Let him talk about Evgeny Malkin. We could. Um, I'm going to say this right now. I'm just going to say this quick. It would make sense from the point of Casper's development because Malkin would only be like a three-year deal. You pay him whatever money you want because you can afford it. And then you hopefully by the end of the three-year deal, you can have Casper step in on an entry-level contract into the 2C spot. Okay, and that analogy, it makes sense. But Evgeny Malkin is completely useless five on five. He plays 40 games a season. And I don't know that he'd be a good locker room fit in Detroit. No, I think that's definitely a pertinent thing. Play well. Like, I, I think I, I don't agree with that. He's completely useless he's, five on he's, five. But he's at this stage in his career, I think he's a liability five on five. Oh. He's elite, elite power play guy. I just don't – some games he's there five on five. Other games he's a lost puppy. Yeah. Or a well, lost yeah. old, old a lost old dog yeah. rather well, than a puppy. Interesting. Like he's happy with his game. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so he's not like – I wouldn't – I'm not throwing him in like my top five or anything like targets. I just think it's an interesting name. I think like, he'd I don't be wanna, my bottom I think, five targets. I, th- I would think if we're missing out on – Vinny Trocek and Dylan Strom. I want you to explore the trade market for a center. I don't want like Ryan Strom or like whatever you try to like find an option somewhere else. Um, defensively, Brett Kulak's in there. Um, I actually, I'd probably consider Alex Edler in there as well, considering for the depth. Ian Cole, jokes aside, I would consider he had a pretty good year. No, nah, I would definitely consider Ian Cole. <laughs> Stop it. Stop, sorry. Stop laughing. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> A uh, little, little behind the scenes. We had to pause at one point because Grant was laughing so hard. But that's fine <laughs> about Ian Cole. But we don't have to get into that. Um, yeah, Andre Pilat. That was the other guy I was thinking of on the list. I think uh, Andre Pilat would be near the top for me because I think yeah. he just does so much, and he's not going to be on a long-term deal, and the Red Wings can afford to pay him. I've been I on would the l- Pilat fan wagon, or however you want to say it, for well, three, three years now, Garth. Like, yeah, yeah, you've been saying it for a while. Like, I just love, especially when, like, obviously, we're like, I don't know, say we make the playoffs this coming year or the year after. 
he's such a gamer in the playoffs and he has the experience and he can fit oh. on your line. <laughs> uh Ricardo Kell five by five Pittsburgh. Wow. Yep. No. So I mean it takes name off the market there. Yeah. Sorry to interrupt, but yes, yeah. I agree with Andre Pilat. Yeah, I just I've been a big Andre Pilat fan. And like again, he's 31. <clears throat> so four years, maybe five at the most, like at the absolute most five. Yeah, I'm going three, four years at like six mil. Yeah, that, I like the three, four range. I'll give him a four for six, four by six. Like I'd, I'd be yep. comfortable. I'd be fine yeah. with that. Yeah, I kind of view him as like a him and Bertuzzi kind of like similar in the sense of like they can play, kind of play down low like that and they could fit on either line on the top six and be responsible defensively, which is big. Yeah. Like you uh, can get the, the check connection with him and Verona. I think he's really interesting too, uh, considering his age and the the capability of how his game can change or fluctuate, kind of like you said, like a Bertuzzi. I, I really like that of a plot. Um, mm-hmm. So he is a guy, despite age, I would look at. And yeah, the familiarity with the Detroit Red Wings organization, considering Derek Lalonde, Lalonde and Iserman, yeah. yep, is the a really that, interesting connection. The thing that sticks out to me with Palat is watching them over the last couple of years. He, uh, if he's having a bad game he's still giving a hundred percent. Like he's still going to go out there and do something to disrupt the play. Like if, if he can't say handle the puck to the tonight or whatever, he's still going out there and lay the body and get it in the way. It's just his effort that it takes. He has that effort that it takes to win championships, obviously. Like, you know, he's been a big piece of their Tampa, Tampa's championship teams the last two years. Um, And going into the finals this year, it's just, so it's nice to see. It's someone you want to have on your roster. I feel like. Especially with Definitely. the young younger presence in our lineup, you know, like it's it's a good leadership role too for him. Yeah, I, I think it'd be a good fit with everything, like you said, like the Tampa connections with Steve and Malone, and then just a fit for as a uh, not like an older veteran, but like an older player for what we have in Detroit right now. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, definitely all eyes going into Wednesday. It's going to be a ton of rumors, connections. Not too much about Detroit right now, but I mean, we'll see yeah. moving forward. I know like Freeman and um, Merrick talked about cop to Detroit, but I mean, they're not sure how much term Eisman's willing to shell out yet. That's like kind of like their biggest question when, if, when in terms of Detroit making a splash is term, if term's going to be a hold up, which I mean, time will tell. Obviously, at this point, he's shown that he's not really willing to give out too much term. Does that change this year? I don't know. We'll see. Um, unless you guys have anything else, I think it kind of wraps it up in terms of Red Wings-related stuff. Unless there's something else, like, league-wide you guys want to bring up. Nothing I can right. think of. Uh, kind of sad to see Olu Levy go. Um, rest in peace. Yes. Yeah, Thank Mitch you. Stevens as well. Yep. Uh, definitely going to be, yeah. I wasn't surprised about the RFA qualifications, like I said, but yeah, moving forward, we'll see where they end up and how the contracts shake out for the rest of the RFAs. But I think I'll do this for this episode. Um, thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Production Line podcast. Um, follow our Twitter account at TPL Pod. Subscribe to Apple Pod. Um, support Inside the Rink. Uh, I got a bunch of new articles out right now. And then you can also read my stuff for free agency this week. 
which will I'll be definitely busy on Wednesday. But yeah, thank you so much for supporting. <laughs>